Hello there, my name is Thomas and today's episode is being brought to you from the kitchen table. I'm just sitting here, um, and what's going on? What's going on? Well, I'm checking the newspapers. I really, really like checking the newspapers. I'm a bit of a news junkie, I have to admit, but I don't particularly enjoy the main, the main national newspapers. I mean, the ones that most people read. I find them a bit dull, to be honest. Um, you know, those wallies in government are being wallies. Something's going on in Russia, it's a bit dodgy. Fighting the Middle East. Problems around the world, and... And what? <laughs> not a lot changes, not a lot. It doesn't really relate to my life. I do subscribe to what they say in Yes Minister. Um, the minister in my favourite ever TV show uh, says to one of his advisors, don't tell me about the press, I know exactly who reads the papers. The Daily Mirror is read by the people who think they run the country. The Guardian is read by the people who think they ought to run the country. The Times is read by the people who actually do run the country. The Daily Mail is read by the wives of the people who run the country. The Financial Times is read by people who own the country. The Morning Star is read by people who think the country ought to be run by another country. And the Daily Telegraph is read by people who think it is. <laughs> Someone says, but Minister, what about people who read The Sun? Another advisor cuts in, the Sun readers don't care who runs the country as long as she's got big tits. <laughs> Perhaps you see from this little clip why... Yes, Minister is my favourite ever TV show. Written by, uh, I believe, a former civil servant and a comedy writer, so it's a perfect, perfect satire. Maybe you can hear that noise. That's the noise of my, uh, my kettle. Again, what better thing to do in the morning uh, than to have a nice cup of tea and read the papers. Today I'm having some... Irish breakfast tea. I've been flip-flopping between that and Yorkshire tea. Um, I like both. But, uh, Ben, sitting down now, happy and comfortable. So, yeah, those are who reads the national newspapers. Of course, there is the Independent as well. Um, but what I really like to do is I like to read local newspapers. Local newspapers hit me where I live. I really, really love them because, as I say, the, the national newspapers, it's, it's a bit samey. It's, you know, I know it's important to read it. I do read it. But if you want a real insight into what's going on in a country, I really think you can't do better than looking at some of the local news stories. So uh, if I have a look at, uh, you say, Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland is always, <laughs> always in the news every year normally for something not nice, but if you look at the local newspapers, you actually get a very, very different a very different uh, insight into what's going on there. So here's one. I'm just going to read this out. It's from the BBC News website, but again, it's not from the national news. It's not from the international news. It's just from the Northern Ireland local news. It's about a gentleman called Fergal Lynn from Cushendall, and he was amazed to find an envelope scrawled with a 57-word mini-biography instead of a street address, and it's found its way to him. <laughs> the envelope begins, Fergal lives across the road from the spa, and then refers to the names of his parents, where he lived after getting married, that he plays guitar and used to run discos in the parochial hall. <laughs> There's a royal mail worker, Fergus McAllister. He looked at it and said, it was so funny in the sorting office in Ballymena. One of the sorters said, look at this, do you know who it is? <laughs> and he said... I know exactly who it's for. I feel I know him too, if his whole life story is on the front. Let me just read out the whole thing. Fergal, 
Lives across the road from the spa, his ma and da used to own it. His mother was Mary and da Joseph, moved to Waterford after he got married, plays guitar and used to run discos in the parochial hall and the hotel in the 80s. Friends with a fella who runs the butchers in the Waterford too. <laughs> Cushendale, BT44. There's no address. That 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 is the address. I think that's brilliant. Um, the postman even said it wasn't the first time a letter with an odd address had made its way to Fergal. There was a letter a few years ago addressed to the Lynn family, the house beside the field with sheep in it. And we knew it was him straight away. <laughs> yeah, not even the first time members of the postal service have gone above and beyond to make sure letters are delivered. 2015, a letter found the right person in Buncrana, County Donegal. It was addressed to... Your man Henderson, that boy with the glasses who's doing a PhD up here at Queen's in Belfast. <laughs> I love these stories. Again, I feel this gives a real insight into, into life in the UK. The Postal Service genuinely is that good. I've, and this comes up by every year. There's, there's some local news story. Sometimes it gets into the main papers. I heard of one where it was a, the man who drives around Cork with a key on top of his car. And it was a key cutter. And he did have a gigantic key on top of his car to advertise his business. <laughs> but again, I feel this, this gives a... I don't know. Somehow I feel it gives much more of an insight into life in the UK than... And reading, say, The Times, which, you know, I just did a review of From Russia With Love, the book versus the film on quantum of history. And Donnie and I were talking about that. One of the odd little things is that when Bond is in London, he will only read The Times. So what, did, what was that described as? The Times is read by the people who actually do run the country. Hmm. Makes sense, okay, Bond wants to read that. As he travels around the world, he reads a local newspaper, so I wonder if Bond can actually benefit from reading... Oh, here's a great one. Here's a great one. This is from the Ilkley Gazette. Ilkley, of course, is in Yorkshire. And the Ilkley Gazette is uh, covering a very important event in Asquith. Asquith has a population of 220 people, according to Wikipedia. And they've had a very, very important news story. There is a new lease of life for Asquith phone box, according to the Ilkley Gazette. And this is from this week, uh, in case you're wondering, in case you want to look at this article yourself. It is a, it is a common issue, right? So the UK has the iconic red telephone boxes. Everyone loves them. They're on all postcards, and, and people genuinely do like them, and they used to be owned by the GPO, the General Post Office, but, you know, it's being sold out and owned by lots of different people, and now everyone has a mobile phone. So the question is what to do with it. I mean, you could just leave it there. But the thing is, you know, the light goes, a bit of glass gets broken, you know, the paint starts to get chipped and old, just, you know, just wear and tear. So they need to be looked after. And unfortunately, looking after anything normally has a price. So repurposing these old red telephone boxes, just so it's useful and can start providing income somehow, um, or to raise money for charity to keep the local one going, that is a big question for local communities. So Asquith little village of what 220 people they've just uh, they've just made the decision what to do with it let me read out from the Ilkley Gazette Asquith's phone box has gained a new lease of life after being adopted by villagers the box will be used as a pop-up space for exhibitions cake sales free book exchange and any other community activity that people want the first exhibition is a representation of Asquith show which has had to be cancelled again this year the box has been decorated by the pupils of Asquith primary school and nursery 
spokesperson said the residents of Asquith have made generous donations to a fund for the upkeep of the box which, along with a substantial donation from the committee of Asquith and District Show, has allowed for the box to be repaired, painted and have new lighting fitted. Further work is planned. It will be used as a hub for events such as a pop-up charity shop, pop-up cake and coffee shop, book exchange and exhibition space. Inquire about using the space at asquithphonebox at gmail.com. Fantastic. So again, I feel this is a, a really good little insight into, I don't know, life in a little Yorkshire village. Um, I've lived in Harrogate and I've lived in Bradford and um, worked in Hull. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I feel this is a very good slice of life. I mean, <laughs> there are, of course, other things happening. You do get uh, crimes being committed. You've had, there are drug dealers, for example. There's one of the headlines in the Telegraph in August, the Bradford newspaper, was drug dealer hid stash in his trousers. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't just say in his pockets. Is there some secret trouser compartment? Uh, but I just like the headline. Um, and then there's a nice little piece from Robbie Moore, Member of Parliament, to give talk to members of Ilkley and District U3A. So that's the University of the Third Age. I don't know how international that is, but it's, uh, yeah, like a great educational um, educational institution, organisation, um, for pensioners. So the Third Age being, you know, child-adult pensioner, I guess, is their thinking. Um, and... Uh, I've heard great things about it. So yeah, Robbie Moore, a member of Palms, is just going to give a chat to, I don't know, the U3A there, about his life as a member of Palms, and it gave all the details about, you know, you could pop along if you want to, which is lovely. Uh, again, I've never heard of the member of Parliament, Robbie Moore. He's not, you know, I guess he's not one of the high flyers. I guess he's a backbencher. Somebody sits, you know, <laughs> towards the wall in the House of Parliament. Um, but... Maybe he's a great local constituency MP. Often they're, often they're the most highly thought of, rather than the ones that uh, are career-focused. Anyway, I didn't look too much into that. I uh, was actually more interested in the A to Z of Halifax, Places, People, History by Chris Colton, uh, Tris Colton uh, published by Amberley Publishing. I don't know, it just came out, and it's like a nice review of a local interest book. So again, Halifax, a uh, short train arrived away from Bradford, um, I just had some fun facts, you know, the, I don't know if this is a fun fact, 1349 plague, um, that's when the Black Death hit, uh, Halifax in particular, they had repeated plagues for the next 500 years, which is slightly worrying, uh, 1645, a whole £65 pounds was assigned to help alleviate poverty for the survivors of a uh, more recent plague, perhaps more fun, Halifax, was once located south of the equator. Amazingly, the town had existed, had the town existed 20 million years ago, it would have sat in part of the world where South Africa now is. Just about the movement of continents, fantastic. Ah, here's a real bit. In 1913, a grizzly bear escaped from Halifax Zoo with a Russian bear. <laughs> I feel there's a, there's a kid's book waiting to happen. The Russian bear was captured, but the grizzly made a dash for freedom, pursued by the headkeeper and staff. After an hour and a half, it made its way down to the canal, but was captured and unceremoniously hauled over a wall and popped into the waiting van. <laughs> again, I'm just imagining ceremoniously hauling a bear over a wall. Uh, but again, these, these are fun facts, aren't they? Is it just me? I love this stuff. Again, there are real crimes. Oh, here's a wrong un. Wakas Khan, an arrogant driver, told police he was loving life and enjoyed them chasing him in Hilkley. 
Okay, maybe maybe a bit more serious. Uh, it was a car chase. Um, calm, 20 of Bear Street, Little Horton Bradford was told by the judge, sentencing him today. This was an appalling piece of driving made worse by the arrogance you showed when you were arrested. When interviewed later, he said... He beamed the cow and calf, I assume this is Wakis Khan, not the judge, um, at Ilkley and sped away from the police because his passenger was smoking cannabis. <laughs> Khan said he thought an armed response vehicle was after him in Bradford, so he accelerated off because he didn't want to get shot. <laughs> anyway, the prosecutor, Emma Handley, told Bradford Crown Court uh, that the fellow was spotted at the wheel of his VW Golf in Ilkley and the police responded to reports of a suspicious driver. Khan immediately sped away from the marked patrol car Oh, causing other drivers to take evasive action to avoid a collision. Uh, Miss Handley said that the risks to members of the public from his driving were so great the police officer ended the pursuit. So, there's one of them driving crazy in a panic, just wait around until 8pm they noticed his car um, on Canal Road in Bradford. Um, they did stop him. <laughs> Got the wrong one, but isn't that fun? <laughs> he was loving life and enjoying the police chasing him well. They've got him now. Ah, and, uh, what newspaper was this from? Yeah, Keithley News. Uh, Keithley's a pretty small place, has its own local newspaper, and, uh, again, they're reporting the small villages around them. Oakworth man ordered to pay £816 by magistrates. Okay, that's not exactly big crime, is it? But uh, I feel if you're living in a place in the UK, you'd hear about this from friends or friends of friends. I don't know, you'd, you'd come across this, so what's, what's he being fined for? He's a motorist suspected of committing an offence. Uh, he failed to provide information required about a motorist suspected of committing an offence. I wonder if, wonder if that's the previous guy. Doesn't say. Anyway, he also got six penalty points on in, uh, on Hadith's driving licence. What's his name? Lubna Hadith. Oh, uh, well. So, yeah, he was ordered to find... He was ordered to pay, what, £660, ordered to pay £90 costs, good, and £66 victim surcharge. Right. A failure to provide information. It's a crime. But it's not just crimes, that's the thing. I mean, if you read the, the national newspapers, it tends to be all bad stuff. If you read the, the local newspapers, uh, again, this must be from, uh, what, Keithley, Keithley News. Great. Keithleynews.co.uk. Had to answer a few, uh, I think, quiz questions to access the article. Uh, things that I might be tempted to buy. I've got my cookies. Okay. Kind-hearted Keithley girl loses her locks to help other children. Lovely. A caring Keithley girl has had her flowing locks lopped to help the little princess trust. And they, uh, Sadiq Seven is donating more than 13 inches of her hair to the charity and has so far raised over £190. The cut was performed by hairdresser Charlotte Horton. The Little Princess Trust provides real hair wigs free of charge to children and young people who have lost their own hair through cancer treatment and other conditions. And the, uh, a pupil at Ingro Primary School said, I wanted my hair cutting to help little girls have wigs. And her mum... Elise Metcalf said she was hugely proud of her daughter. She's an inspiration to me. Anyone wishing to donate can do so through the website littleprincesses.org.uk. So that's lovely. You, you can, it's, if you knew that little girl, you'd be so proud of this, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm going now to the, to the east of Yorkshire because I've been, you know, travelling across Yorkshire looking at the local, local newspapers. I love this one. It's Hull's Man's Search for Teenage Sweetheart He Met on Holiday 12 Years Ago. So, nice romantic one. Jordan Scott, 25, recently found a heap of love letters from his former sweetheart in his bedroom which left him heartbroken. 
Jordan is now desperate to reconnect with his former crush. While away from one another, Katie sent a string of love letters to Jordan telling him how much she loved him. One of the letters said, my world lights up when I see you and it makes me have butterflies. Apparently they met on holiday in France. She's from the West Midlands and he's from Hull. And the man says, now I have these letters. I want to see if I can rekindle the love and ask her questions. In a bid to win Katie back, he shared a post on Facebook, which has gained 243 likes and over 30 shares. Jordan shared a picture of some of the letters and said, anyone know a Katie from the West Midlands? Get in touch. We'll have a chat. I miss you. I remember we were together on holiday about 12 years ago. One individual said, that's my neck of the woods. Might know her. And Jordan said, no way. Get us a date sorted. So, uh, Great. Love these little romantic things. Also from the, the Hull Daily Mail. I moved 150 miles to Hull and here's what I think so far. <laughs> this, this article um, does reference a piece in the National Daily Mail, uh, which I think had its piece on the worst places to live in the UK and had a pretty offensive term for the, the city of Kingston upon Hull. Uh, so, the, the fella says, on Monday it will be three months since I moved up to Hull from my previous home in Bedford. The distance between the two is about 150 miles, and I've only ever lived in my hometown on the south coast, so it wasn't exactly a local to the area. Truth be told, moving up was the first time I've been to Hull itself, although I have visited parts of the East Riding of Yorkshire before. As I reach the three-month mark of living in Hull, I have mixed but generally positive views of the city that's become my home. I'm not going to read out the whole thing. He does refer to The Deep, which is the fantastic, fantastic aquarium, uh, paying £16.50 to be able to visit The Deep however many times I like in the years. Frankly, an outrageous bargain. <laughs> like that. Uh, he talks about the pubs and the bars, especially uh, Prince's Avenue and Pearson's Park. Um, yeah, a nice little photo of it as well in the local newspaper, the Hull Daily Mail. Um, I've been there many times and... Uh, uh, would I recommend it? Uh, I think my hesitation probably gives my answer there. Um, <laughs> he does he does refer to the poverty of the city, uh, the problems of it. Um, but he says, I've come to embrace the city as my beloved home. It, it's embrace. It has plenty to offer. So he, he does go through some of the good points. <laughs> but he does finally end there. Uh, you can't challenge the disguises it faces, but it's still a gem of a city to live in. Uh, he describes it as a rough unpolished gem so i love it even the whole daily mail um <laughs> and that's all my stories those are all my uh local news stories i've been uh, perusing it um i used to i used to talk about this to my students in china that sometimes if you really want an insight into a country the best thing to do is to read the local newspapers um Again, you know, I know James Bond does in the books right he goes to jamaica and always reads the daily gleaner and and so on but it really, really is a good way to get a, an insight into another country. Not to read the national newspapers, but uh, but just to find something, I say, local, like these little stories. Um, maybe maybe I'll read out just one more. Just one more. And it's, it's not a recent story. It's from when I had just graduated from university and I was getting involved with the work there. I think I will read the story out. It's really interesting because it's all about me. <laughs> it was from the Bradford University newspaper. Um, I think it got into the Telegraph and Argus. I can't remember. But uh, but I remember this piece because I wrote it. 
<laughs> and I found it um, you know, buried deep somewhere in a hard drive. Cycling Coast to Coast for Gaza by Thomas Felix Crichton. That's me. That's me. So here it is. What's the hardest thing you've ever done? This is, said Michael Allhouse of the Students' Union, talking about the Workington to Sunderland coast-to-coast cycle ride he undertook for the UBU Gaza charity alongside Thomas Felix Greifen of the University Language Centre. In spring 2012, the University of Bradford Student Union sent a student-initiated delegation of students and staff to Gaza. The UBU delegation to Gaza visited students at various universities and colleges within the Gaza Strip, where they delivered workshops and training to promote academic excellence. This year, it's hoped the Students' Union will send another delegation even better prepared and with more resources to donate to our linked Palestinian universities. UBU is the first Students' Union in the world to develop such close academic links with students in Gaza. The fundraising for next year kicked off with energy and enthusiasm from the C2C cycle ride. Day one required an early start, leaving the university at 6am in a minibus to go to Workington on the east coast of England. There was steady rain and a cold wind blowing from the Irish Sea. Fortunately, the wind blew in the cyclist's favour. Andy Fitzpatrick, the general manager of the Students' Union, an experienced coast-to-coast cyclist himself, had warned of the dangers posed by unsuitable weather conditions. When working hard to climb steep hills, and later the Pennine Mountains, the effect of the strong winds, side on, for and against, would be keenly felt. Both Michael and Thomas were thankful that the rain abated in favour of sunshine, allowing them to ditch the bright yellow ponchos that had them dubbed the Banana Men when they were trying to gain sponsorship. <laughs> After spending the night in a castle, where a warm bath soothed aching muscles, the UBU cyclist had a mountain to climb. Heartside is a name that strikes fear into the very hearts of coast-to-coast cyclists. Whilst the first day involved a far greater climb in terms of altitude, the second day involved a steep ascent, which punishes thigh muscles and tests determination. After Heartside comes a whole series of smaller hills, many just as steep on far worse roads and tracks. Michael Allhouse cycles regularly and trained hard and found it a tough challenge. Thomas Felix Crichton, who has not cycled since running himself over with his own bike in Cyprus two years ago, had only this to say, I really hope the people of Gaza appreciate our suffering here. (laughs) Because we are suffering lots. Day three started with bright weather and two steep uphill ascents. The two cyclists were concerned since one of them, Thomas, had woken up with pain in his legs instead of a song in his heart. However... After the first two hills, it was downhill from mountain level to sea level, with some of the country's most beautiful landscape on the way. Most striking was a long field of lavender with purple flowers in full bloom. There was also a notable change in accents of the people one side of the Pennines compared to the other. Gradually, the course of the coast-to-coast route followed that of the River Weir, letting the cyclists know that the journey was nearing its end. When the two had reached Rooker Pier, it was time to turn back just a little, and have some fish and chips. <laughs> While Sinatra's trip in itself, Michael and Thomas were cycling for a people who have endured almost as much, slash even more, the people of Gaza. The two raised close to £1,000 to buy academic resources to share with the students in Gaza. The Coast to Coast was sponsored by Harrier Students Halls, who are a close partner of the Gaza delegation and staff and students of the university. If you're interested in any aspect of the Gaza project, please get in touch with... And then I give the email address for, for Michael. <laughs> yeah, I did run myself over with my own bike. I did that on my birthday. Going down a very steep hill. Enjoy mountain biking. Um, I was going so fast, I hit a rock, flew over the handlebars, and the bike carried on brand new. <laughs> ah, good times, good times. Right, so those are all my uh, local news stories. I hope it, uh, I hope it gives some insight into life 
in the UK. I really enjoy it. And uh, have a Google, have a look at the uh, Telegraph and Argus or the Heathley News or any other little village that you hear of in the UK. Have a look at uh, have a look at their local news because I think you can get a lot out of it. Let me know what you think. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening.